Oh, hi, Chalice. What are you doing here? I mean, I guess in the library, not surprising to find you here, but hey, I haven't catched up with you in a while. So um, nice to see you. Yeah, nice to see you too. It's been a minute. Do you have an extra minute or a little bit more to catch up in the tea room maybe? Yeah, I could actually use a break from all this browsing and all this uh, stuff that makes me mad. So yeah, let's definitely do that. <laughs> Don't go mad. <laughs> right, let's head there. Hard not to. Right. All right, sounds good. Hello, this is Marilyn Spicy, aka Mary, one of the caretaker at the Satanic Estate. No caretaker, performer, or creature living in the secret tunnels under the Satanic Estate is a spokesperson for the Satanic Temple. The views in this conversation do not reflect the views of the Satanic Temple and are simply our own. Um, what did you pick for a drink? Uh, right now I have got some uh, English breakfast with a little bit of creamer in it. Going classic, And I also I guess. snuck in some rum. Nothing wrong with the classic. Yeah, I'm, I don't know, I just... <laughs> Pick the first little sack of herbs and just put it in my hot water, whatever. <laughs> I'm just happy to have you here. Um, it's so great to catch up with you. Um, I don't know, you've, you're pretty much everywhere. And uh, I've, I've always wanted to have like a, you know, one-on-one -on -one with you because you're such an interesting personality. Um, so... Before I like start the inquisition, you know, because I've got lots of questions yeah. for you. Do you want to sure. tell us about you? Uh, you know, like the regular stuff, um, your name, your age, your fur baby, uh, you know, like <laughs> short little about Chalice kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah, um, uh, I'm Shalice Blythe. Um, I've uh, been with the Satanic Temple for uh, since like 2014. And uh, like you said, I do have uh, my fur baby who's very much a, a personality within TST, I guess, as I have been. Uh, his name's Sebastian. He's a four-year-old short-haired black kitty and uh, he's my little parlor panther. So, um, yeah, yeah, we, we both just kind of, we both do a lot of things around uh anywhere we're needed so i love sebastian like i love popping in my instagram and seeing his goofy face being like ah he did it again <laughs> oh yeah um, he makes the dumbest faces he's <laughs> funny he likes mm -hmm. to participate um but where to begin about you uh so you live in in arizona mm -hmm. but you're a member of the albany chapter and you travel a lot. You're in many projects, as I said. Um, mm -hmm. So I like, where are you from? What's your origin story? I would actually probably believe you if you said you were from out of space, but uh, <laughs> I want to- Yeah, know. we'll go with that. Um, that's what it feels like. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, my origin, so, um, I, uh, like you said, um, I'm kind of a, I, I'm all over the place, uh, not only within, you know, TST, but, you know, in life in general. Um, I'm originally from Utah, uh, you know, grew up there, 
I uh, also did some growing up in, in Oregon, but, you know, not as much. But, uh, you know, did, did most of my living in Utah. And then I uh, moved to Arizona. Um, it's been about, I guess, a little over three years now at this point. And I've been there ever since. And, uh, you know, I, um, you know, as you said, I, I'm a member of the Albany chapter. And it's because my, my partner Dex is out there. And they were so very kind to uh, extend an offer of membership to me for that. So, um, yeah, I... Uh, so, you know, geographically, I'm kind of all over the place, but um, as far as TST is concerned, I've, I, I've served a lot of roles. I've done a lot of different things, which is uh, pretty neat, I, I, I think. Um, uh, I think it's a very unique experience uh, that I get to have, and um, I think very few have been able to say they have been able to do the same. But uh, yeah, I've, uh, I started um, I started as just like, you know, a member back in back in 2014 when I uh, first heard about the uh, Baphomet statue for um, Oklahoma. So way, way back in the day, there actually wasn't a statue at that point. Um, so I've, I've been kind of following ever since. And um, it was a year, a little bit a year after that when I considered myself an official member just because, you know, I uh, was very interested in TST. Obviously, I um, was very much aware of what Satanism was. I had, you know, before that, I was very much aware of, you know, Anton LaVey and, and the Church of Satan, uh, but didn't consider myself a Satanist at that point in time simply because um, I wouldn't define myself as a Satanist um, based off of what Satanism was defined at that point in time. Um, so I was just uh, mulling around and was very interested in what this temple was doing. And after getting to know the people uh, for a little while, um, you know, they had a pretty good a growing online community and uh, got to know the people, got to know the founders a little bit. And, you know, once I realized that, you know, this, this wasn't just a bunch of uh, clowns uh, doing stuff for the sake of, you know, like a performance or a point. I mean, there was some legitimacy and also some sincerity behind it. I considered myself a member. And then uh, back in 2016, I founded the first uh, chapter in Utah. And, uh, you know, I did that for a little while. Um, also um, became the director of the After School Satan Club. Um, did that for a few years. And then back in 2017, I um, dissolved the original Utah chapter, which was a really difficult uh, thing to do, but um, I don't think Utah was ready for a chapter at that point in time, despite the fact I thought, you know, we, we started really strong, but, uh, you know, when you're trying to do everything yourself and you've got people that are just kind of you know, losing interest, you know, I had one or two people that uh, worked with me more directly, but, you know, they, they ended up moving on with their lives, and so trying to do it all by myself just wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't isn't it's, something it's that chapters are built on huh yeah it's it's hard to do it all by yourself whatever it is um whether it is uh you know like a group or uh, any kind of like massive project like this and community-based thing like it it's kind of disheartening mm -hmm. that you have to do that but i think it's for the best sometimes yeah um i think I, I think definitely the the new chapter. You know, there there is a there is a new U, uh, Utah chapter now, and um, you know, I think that the the people there and the community has been built um, by those people is is much stronger and is a, in a lot better place than you know where we were back in 2016. So, uh, you know, shuttered doors back in 2017, and um, I was invited to be on the Satanic Temple's National Council, um, and I served on there uh, up until April of last year. So I, I did that for many, many years. 
It's funny and, because uh, being being so recent uh, in, uh, I mean, such a recent member, I guess, for me, mm -hmm. I've, I've only been a member for like a year plus, like a year mm -hmm. and a quarter, I guess, um, maybe a little more. It's, it's so um, weird. It, it seems like you're a veteran, you know, like it seems like you've been here forever and like you've been here since the beginning and it's 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 still such a young thing but you've been mm -hmm. so involved uh within the temple it's uh it's impressive well thank you well it's um you know i'm i'm very you know it, it's been really wonderful being able to do all of those things you know i i know that everyone's experience within tst has been really different um some people have been able to do a lot more than i have and and some people you know not so much but um, yeah, I just, I, I really love all the things I've been able to do, um, you know, whether that's just, you know, helping out with things or, you know, putting things, you know, into existence or, you know, every, every other thing in between, um, you know, I'm certainly really, I, I, I lead a very interesting life and uh, it's uh, continuing to be so uh, even after being uh, out of leadership and really at this point in time having no real um, role uh, within TST, I'm just kind of like this uh, free agent that gets to um, assist and be able to lend, you know, institutional knowledge and just lend my general, you know, abilities um, to whatever is needed. And uh, that's been really rewarding. I actually really, really enjoy it. Um, so it's one of those things where you've, you know, if you've been in a leadership position for a very long time, like I have, it's kind of nice to be able to still contribute without any of the responsibility and, you know, all the people hating your fucking guts just because you're uh, the, in the position that you're in. So it's, it's a nice break from, from my normal, but um, yeah, it's, it's been, uh, it's been really cool. I really like it. And uh, yeah, I think the last thing I, um, I think like the last substantial thing I was able to do was uh, create the human resource uh, division of, of um, TST, uh, call it the Syrian Council, and um, I left it in amazing hands. You know, it was it was very much needed. I mean, after being in leadership for so long and knowing exactly where all the uh, where all of our um, things that we needed to improve upon. Um, I think uh, human resource was definitely something that we needed because, you know, our, our organization is human led, it's human driven, and it's uh, centered on some of the things that speak to our most human selves. So it makes the sense that, um, you know, if you're going to have uh, an organization like that, you need to have some ability to have some accountability and, uh, um, you know, for each other and, and ourselves. So, uh, yeah, that was the last thing I did after I stepped down from IC. Or, so I, I, it started as national council when I was on there and that ended as international council, because, you know, as, as you maybe know, and I, I'm sure you're aware, uh, you know, we're, we're not just based in America anymore. So we kind of changed the name to reflect that. But, um, yeah, once I left IC, I was able to create that, um, new thing. And, um, it was, I never intended to stay, you know, it was just something that I knew that needed to be built and uh, knew that, you know, good people needed to be in there to um, uh, take the foundations that were built and really, really extend them. So, you know, once my, once my part was done, I left it in very capable hands and it's going strong. So now I just get, now I just get to have fun. <laughs> well, it's, I'm glad you get to have fun because we owe you a lot and, uh, you know, like every warrior needs a rest. And uh, you deserve yours like more than, more than a whole lot of us, I guess. Maybe I don't know. We all deserve rest, yeah. but you know. 
Um, everyone, everyone deserves rest at, at all times. Yeah, we do. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, um, between being a, a total badass and a fierce leader, you know, like there's there's a lot to you um and but also like you're you're your own person you're not just part of tst and mm -hmm. you're that smart gorgeous lady and you're also <laughs> a scientist you're a big brain mm -hmm. uh, one of one of the uh, many big brains that i love to pick because you're you're uh your input is so very valuable to me and i i have you in high esteem but that's just oh, personal thank um oh thank you but uh so i i learned that you were a scientist and i was like well here's extra points for her <laughs> so <laughs> i i would like to i would like to know more about that um i would like to hear um what made you decide to become a scientist you know um tell us about your your like becoming a scientist story? Um, well, it kind of happened a little bit by accident. Um, I've, I've been in the field ever since I was 18 and it, uh, it just kind of, yeah, it just kind of happened. I mean, um, you know, I, I've been on my own for a very long time and, and like a lot of people do, they start out in your normal jobs, you know, working in, in, um, uh, customer service and, uh, you know, managing, I, I managed a cafe for a little while. So, you know, those were, you know, very like, you know, the, the day you turn 16, you go get a job and, you know, you're just doing everything you can to survive. And in my case, I literally was on my own at that, at that age and was doing everything I could to survive. Um, and, um, when I was 18, I also started, uh, getting into sex work. Um, I did that for a couple of years, which, uh, I found enjoyable and I, I did fairly well. It was, uh, it put a roof over my head and, and that was, um, I had a, you know, very good experience, uh, with that. Um, but around that same time, I, I took a, a general data entry job at a stem cell lab, um, back in Utah. And, um, it was a lab that was not only doing stem cell research, but it was also providing, um, FDA approved stem cell product to patients in need. So, um, you know, people getting bone marrow transplants, apheresis transplants, and, uh, you know, I just started there as data entry specialist and, uh, getting to know everyone there being surrounded by all the brilliant brains, uh, you know, the, the, the staff, um, the laboratory workers, the, the PIs, MDs, all the researchers, um, it really um, created this love in me of, of wanting to be in this field. I kind of felt like I found the thing I was meant to do for the rest of my life. So I just uh, rose through the ranks. I mean, I just worked really, really hard. Um, I learned a lot, a lot of um, a lot of what I know how to do um, in my everyday work is is uh, kind of self-taught and just, you know, over the years of staying um, staying in the field and, and learning hands-on, um, as well as, as schooling, um, which, you know, in my field is very much recommend, um, very recommended. Uh, you need to have the hands-on experience, plus you need the, the education part too, to kind of understand why you're doing the things that you're doing hands-on. Um, so, yeah, I just, I... Um, uh, so, you know, went from um, data entry specialist to a cord blood phlebotomist to being a uh, research coordinator. Um, and then I did a lot of quality assurance. I did a lot of, 
you know, various things on the back end. And, uh, but ever since, um, but, but for the most part, my specialty is in uh, clinical research coordination. So that's what I currently do. That's so cool. And it's, um, it's funny because I, I didn't have any knowledge of that, but I got emancipated when I was 15. So I lived on my own when I was mm -hmm. 16 and I started working in the restaurant industry. But dude, I would never have been able to be a scientist ever. Like I suck at math first. <laughs> well, but, uh, I mean, I mean, you say that. I mean like... you say that, but I think, yeah, I mean, you say that, but I think anybody can be scientifically minded and it's not just, it's not just math, right? I mean, no, no, you know, it, if you want to get into just that. <laughs> But I mean, my uh, my critical thinking is more towards like uh, writing essays and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. um, like an analyzing data is like too many numbers. I like I like books better, you know, like with like letters, <laughs> not yeah. numbers. Well, I'm but I'm yeah, I'm very much the same way too. I mean, I um you know when it comes to the you know, when, when it comes to certain aspects of, of, you know, what I do, you know, cause you, when you work in like research, I mean, there's so many different levels to it. I mean, when you say you work in research, I mean, that could mean, you know, so many things. You could be the person coming up with the, um, come up with the ideas, the concepts behind the research you're doing. You could be the person who does the data analysis. You could be the laboratory worker. You can be the quality assurance person. You could be the pharmacist. You could be the, uh, um, you know, the, the research coordinator, you, you know, um, you could be the person that's doing any type of procedure. So, you know, when you say, when you say research, I mean, there's so many different, um, you know, so many different roles that um, lead to the success of whatever research you're doing um, to not only come to fruition, but to get, you know, the, get results, you know, whether they affirm your hypothesis or not, um, you know, the, I, um, I actually really love the patient care aspect of it. So that's why I really like the job that I have where, you know, I'm not the person coming up with the ideas. I'm not the person who, you know, has this expertise in this one disease or um, anything. And then it's like, well, if we do this, then this will be the, then, then we can do this. You know, I'm, I'm not that person. You know, I don't, I don't have the education or the background uh, to do stuff like that, but um, you know, I have the ability to make research happen, you know, um, I have a lot of training and expertise in, um, you know, making, um, uh, making projects start and, you know, following them through, um, you know, consenting patients, doing uh, procedures and, um, you know, all that stuff, you know, data integrity and, you know, for the most part, um, just making sure that anybody who uh, enrolls in our research studies um, is taken care of and that we're taking care of them first and making sure their safety comes first. So um, that's that's the stuff that I do. And that's the stuff I'm good at. And that just comes from years and years and years of experience. Um, but yeah, so that's um, that's where I fit into that. It's really funny to hear you talk about um your scientist personal person you know and have mm -hmm. you and have you talked about your your role in TST and how it uh you created you created spaces for people and uh you started projects and everything like it it seems to align so well like you you had the same kind of experience in both fields kind of thing so uh did you start associating science and Satanism pretty early on? Or did that happen like one after the other? I don't know, like uh, 
it seems to align pretty well, like what you do in one and what you do in the other. Um, yeah, so I mean, I've always associated Satanism with um, having a having the the best best understanding of the world you could possibly have. I mean, I think having critical thinking is is part of you know what's what make what draws people to Satanism because that's such a core element of it, right? You know, the ability to you know think critically about you know the world, the things around you, different philosophies. You know, you either accept them or you don't. Um, expand upon them, create something of yourself, or, you know, complete, uh, make something completely different. So, yeah, I mean, I've always, so even, even back when I was like, you know, 16 years old and reading the Satanic Bible, I mean, I understood that, um, you know, this was, you know, this is a religion based off of the here and now and what we understand about, you know, the world now and not about, you know, these, um, you know, far off concepts or this, you know, mysticism or, or anything like that, where, you know, it has, I guess, maybe the potential to exist, but, you know, until we can really say that it exists, it's like, oh, well, you know, you're not going to denounce it, but you're not also going to say that this is the truth, this is the way. Um, and, you know, one of the things we're always doing in science is trying to, you know, come up with new ideas and not stay stagnant. I mean, as we learn more about the world, we have to evolve our thinking of it and um, use that evolved thinking to, you know, reapply or maybe, you know, um, not adhere to things that we used to understand or, you know, ways we used to take care of patients. I mean, it's all about constantly trying to um, renew our understanding, um, you know, always questioning what our understanding is and seeing if there's a way to do something better. Um, you know, there's, and that's where we get these advancements in, in medicine where, you know, we're not just accepting things how they were the way we did them back, you know, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, um, you know, because through constantly questioning and through discovering new things, you know, we're able to, you know, accept that we were wrong about something and to um, correct our, correct our understanding and through, um, you know, seeing the data and getting the results and, and um, really putting our hypotheses to the test um, to reevaluate and to, you know, make things better. So, um, and I, you know, I think um, that's, you know, one of the core principles of, of Satanism is, you know, always question and, and uh, reevaluate and evolve. I think um, Satanism, much like science is, very obscure to to people um i mean not everyone but to a lot of people and uh what used to be called like magic you know is now science uh there's mm -hmm. been a lot of evolution as you said um at one point of time you and probably i even though i'm not a scientist <laughs> would have been witches you know would definitely <laughs> devil yeah. worshippers but <laughs> um yeah. Well, Just we for, still are. <laughs> right? But I mean, right. Yeah. But for believing in science rather than relying on God, you know, like you were mm -hmm. definitely witches already. Um, but I think it's been it's been even more like um, noticeable. And this this last year uh, that a lot of people don't don't really believe in science, you know, uh, as much as they want to put their faith in like sky daddy um with all mm. the corona crisis and uh i think you've been working around the covid studies and from what i understand mm -hmm. you you must um you know be approached quite a bit about like the 
COVID everything, vaccine and the evolution of like the virus into variants and everything. Um, I hope it's it's okay if I talk about this, but um, I think you're fully vaccinated, right? Can you uh, tell us yes. about your mm -hmm. experience? Because like in France, where I come from, I'm I'm like very far away from having the vaccine. Um, so yeah, let's let's and to make it a little funny, like how's your Wi-Fi? Huh? <laughs> like <laughs> you got vaccinated? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I notice I have a better cell reception ever since, and uh, I'm not going to say that it's correlated, but it's an interesting development. <laughs> Great. Um, my vaccine experience was one of, you know, feeling feeling reticent as at first. I mean, we are we are dealing with, um, you know, this brand new technology, this mRNA technology that is is really exciting and can have so many more applications. Um, in the future. And when we say new, uh, we don't mean new as in we just discovered mRNA as a potential for this um, yesterday. I mean, you know, this has been something that's been talked about and looked into since the 60s, but this has been the first time we've really been able to apply it into, into something that we give to patients. So, um, yeah, it, it was it was worrying um, in that, you know, it's, you know, it's a new vaccine. And, and a lot of it, when we think about vaccines, I mean, we're using technology that has been around for so long. So we feel more comfortable with it. You know, I mean, I, you know, I get my flu shot every year. Um, I'm fully vaccinated, you know, got all the childhood vaccinations and everything like that. So, you know, I've never had any, um, any issues, any hesitation about, you know, why, why we get vaccinated and um, you know, what it's not only doing for our health, but for those around us. Um, so getting vaccinated for COVID-19 um, that part, you know, I felt, not only just a personal responsibility for myself, my loved ones, um, and my patients, but also, you know, I, I work, I work in research and, you know, I am constantly asking, um, people to be putting, putting themselves in a, um, situation where we're trying to see if something works. So it, for me, it was, um, something that I was personally wanting to do, but I also felt I had a ethical obligation considering what I do for a living. Um, you know, if other people are able to consent to all the various things I've, I've done research on in the past, um, you know, it, it shouldn't be, it's, it's a, it was a no brainer for me to be like, you know, even if we do consider ourselves, you know, even if we consider ourselves guinea pigs at this point, you know, I still feel like that's, um, you know, I should be doing my part in that way. Um, so yeah, I got, I got the Pfizer. So that was a two shot. And, um, you know, my experience was very typical for what we see, um, and what we've been seeing, um, ever since the development and the testing of the vaccine, you know, I got my first one, yeah, my arm was sore, I felt a little lethargic on my first one, but you know, nothing too terrible. And then, um, four weeks later, I got my second shot. And again, I had a sore arm, and then I started developing more of the symptoms. So, you know, got a mild fever, got a headache, um, just felt like I just, you know, felt like I was suffering from the flu, essentially. I mean, very flu-like symptoms. But um, yeah, within 48 hours, they were completely gone. And I felt completely normal. You know, there was no lingering symptoms that you usually um, get when you're sick with an actual viral or bacterial infection. It didn't linger. It just was like, yeah, two days and it's done. So yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I feel... Um, you know, it's kind of nice. I, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, fully vaccinated and, you know, and some people will go one way with it where it's like, okay, fully vaccinated. I'm going to go do everything. Everything can be normal again. 
um, you know, and to a certain extent, if everyone was, then yeah, sure, life can go back as is, you know, fairly normal. Um, but I think after a year of, you know, ha being in this pandemic, um, I've really not changed any of my, of my um, COVID pandemic habits. You know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm still wearing a mask everywhere. I don't go out. Um, you know, if I, if I want food that I'm not making, I always get takeout. I never, you know, sit in a restaurant. Um, I tried that one time. I got a, I can't remember. It was a couple weeks ago. I decided to go get a beer somewhere. And uh, even being fully vaccinated, I was like, I'm doing something bad. Like I, I'm, I'm putting myself at risk. I'm putting others at risk. I'm doing something bad. And so, you know, I think it's going to take a long time for, for me and, and for other people too, to kind of get out of that mindset. I mean, we've been doing this for so long that, uh, you know, uh, normal is going to take a long time to get to, um, especially since we're still trying to get everyone vaccinated. But um, I'm glad I did it. And I really hope that people who, um, really want it, are able to get it. And I think that, you know, uh, now that we have the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, uh, it's just a single shot, we're going to have, you know, our three options available. And uh, this administration, um, as far as I can tell, has been really good about making sure that all the states have what they can. And obviously the, you know, being able to um, get the vaccine out there. I mean, you know, there's a lot of coordination involved with that. You know, you've got to set up a site, you've got to have the nurses, you have to have the doctors, you have to have you know, places where they can observe you for half, you know, for like 15 minutes just to make sure you're doing okay. And, um, you know, so there's a lot people to even schedule the vaccine. So, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. You know, you got to prep it, you got to store it. Um, so it's not this easy thing where you can just have literally anybody, you know, administer a vaccine. But I think, um, I think we're making a lot better strides and uh, our COVID numbers are, are going down, which is really nice. Um, you know, we may have an uptick now that everyone's decided to go on spring break. So we'll, we'll see where that's at. But um, yeah, I and then, you know, even... for people who are, has... hmm? sorry. Go, oh, you're go fine. Ahead, I was, and I, I was, yeah, I was just going to say that, you know, so for, for those who are really wanting to get it, um, I'm hoping they can, uh, you know, as quickly as they can. And I know that, that efforts are being made to make it more available, um, especially to all tiers of people. They're not just, you know, tiering it for, you know, like healthcare workers and, and uh, you know, school teachers and stuff. Um, but for people who are reticent, I mean, you know, again, uh, talking back to this, this newer technology using the mRNA, um, you know, I can understand vaccine hesitation. Um, I won't lie. I was very nervous to get my vaccine. I actually ended up having panic attacks both times, um, you know, because it, it's still the unknown. Um, and, you know, you never know if you might have some reaction to it. Um, it's been very, it's been very rare, but, you know, we are looking into why certain people have allergic reactions. Um, it might, there might be a, a, a lipid in there that's causing it, but, um, yeah, so, you know, you're, you're always going to be nervous of something new and, and I am not somebody who was, you know, just be like, yeah, give me the next, you know, I, I wasn't jumping for joy. I was nervous, but you know, I'm, I'm glad I did the thing. Um, but, you know, I think um, anybody who is nervous or has questions, um, that's okay. You know, it's okay for people to be hesitant or want to wait um, until maybe more data is analyzed. Uh, we're able to really see the longstanding effectiveness of it. Um, I, can, I can understand that. And if it's not, you know, people who are just like, no vaccines ever, like vaccines are terrible. I mean, you know, to a certain point, they're already gone. So there's really not much you can do. But you know, vaccine hesitance is um, not a bad thing. It's um, just a willingness to be able to talk to them and, you know, either, you know, educate them on what's what's there and then just, um, 
you know, if they really, really want to wait until more data comes in, then just making sure you're encouraging people to still um, maintain your social distancing and mask wearing until, until they can get vaccinated. But um, yeah, um, you know, I think it's just a matter of reaching out to the people that know the information and, and uh, you know, being okay with asking questions. It's usually when people have these, you know, affirmative statements of, you know, this is terrible. And, you know, I know nothing about, I, the, these all just sound like really horrible, terrible, um, you know, scary words. And we don't know, understand what they are, but they're going to cause all these issues. It's just like, okay, that's when you're, you know, taking it way too far and you're just fear mongering. But so anyway, that's um, my rant about that. <laughs> I think it's good to rant about it because you're directly concerned um, by this whole thing. I mean, you work in the field and um, mm -hmm. I think it's normal to have things that, you know, would amuse you, but might end up like just bothering you or even like enraging you, maybe fuel your passion or whatever. And mm -hmm. um, I, I think, I think uh, renting is good. It's, it's great. <laughs> um, I think For myself, whenever I get the vaccine, I'm probably gonna go easy on uh, on going back to a semi-normal life or whatever. Not only mm -hmm. because you know, like there's a uh, there is still the unknown, and uh, I still want to show other people uh, that probably aren't vaccinated yet. You know, that's the good thing to do, the right thing to do, but. Um, Yeah, I think I'm going to go slow. I'm not just going to dive in it, you know. Um, but there's mm -hmm. a bunch of things that I'm looking forward to doing, such as uh, visiting my friends and stuff like that. So what have you been looking forward to doing the most and is now possible now that you have the vaccine, you know? Oh, um, seeing my partner. <laughs> that's, been the, that's been the thing that's uh, sucked the worst about... Um about this this uh, pandemic for me personally is just you know I'm in a long distance relationship and you know prior to this we were able to you know see each other fairly consistently but uh, you know I've gone months and months and months and months without seeing them in person and that makes it really difficult so being vaccinated and being able to you know travel um, to see one another that's been the that's been the thing I've been wanting the most and that's the thing I get to do now so that um, Yeah, that, <laughs> um, you know, I, uh, you know, because other, other things like going out a lot, you know, seeing friends and, and things. I mean, I, I was a bit of a recluse before this all happened. So my life hasn't changed all that dramatically since the pandemic hit, um, you know, as far as my day to day things. But, um, you know, it would be nice, I guess, to to see people be around people that I want to be around. And that's, you know, mostly where travel comes in. I mean, before this pandemic hit, I was traveling around a lot because I know I have so many good friends in different places that, you know, it was always something that I wanted to make a priority to see them at least once a year, if like, say they lived on the other side of the country. But um, yeah, that, that's, that's the thing I'm looking forward to doing again, the most once everyone's vaccinated and feels comfortable and, you know, Yeah, I feel you on that. Um, same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But and so when you're when you're going to see your partner in the Albany chapter, um, mm -hmm. are, I mean, are you looking forward to having, um, you know, more more of a back to something with the with the chapter? I mean, 
going back to somewhat of a social, um, social religious setting? Well, so this is going to sound like a really strange answer, and I can give context to why my answer is going to be what it is. But um, I, my experience of TST has been. I've not had a lot of local involvement in, in, in TST things. So, you know, I, I created a chapter in Utah and then, you know, I moved to Arizona. I was a part of that chapter for a little while. Um, and, you know, they, they um, were very kind to extend an offer of membership in the Albany chapter for me. And uh, I also have kind of a, um, a membership of the current Utah chapter as well as is kind of like a, hey, you know, we know you can't make any of the events, but, um, you know, they were very kind to kind of extend that to me almost as like an honorary thing, um, which felt very nice. And they're, they're very sweet. Um, but, you know, when it comes to chapter activities, um, you know, my the, the pandemic hasn't really affected how I interact um, with with chapter things, because for the most part, um, I have been so much involved. I, like my scope of TST has been so um it's, it's happened on such a, a grand scale this whole time, you know, being in, in national leadership, um, you know, working in campaigns to have an international scope. Um, you know, my involvement has spanned so far um, and has not really been terribly local that, um, you know, I think, you know, pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, um, it's not really going to change how I interact with the chapters that I'm a part of just because, um, you know, my my interaction with the organization has always had such a broad scope and not necessarily a localized one. So. So with people that you actually interact with the most, like your coworkers, mm -hmm. for instance, um, I, I guess my question would be, are you out about your Satanism when wearing the white coat is your sense of humor, your personality, etc. I mean, professionally, you're not gonna like, you know, spread it everywhere that you're a Satanist per se, because it's not very professional, but like, mm. do they find you creepy? Do they know, like, do they find it weird or scary? Uh, so currently, um, you know, it's not anything I ever divulge or speak with with my patients because that would be uh, horrendously um, unprofessional. But um, my coworkers, specifically the other coordinators I work with, um, they they know, and it's it's not weird. Um, you know, I'm I'm very fortunate in that you know my Satanism. Uh, is never going to be an issue with those I work with um, because it's something I'm not necessarily shy about. Um, it's not obviously something that comes up every single day, but, you know, it's, it's a known fact. And, um, you know, they think that's fine. I mean, I work with people who have various backgrounds, you know, uh, whether that's atheism, Catholicism, or just kind of don't really know what they are that, you know, just they're just kind of floating through the universe trying to figure out, you know, where they are in life. Um, you know, it's, it's a very non-judgmental place to be. And, uh, you know, my, my current employer is, um, 
there are a lot of protections in that way, um, not only for religious, but like gender identifications, you know, uh, orientation. Um, I'm very fortunate to work somewhere that those things are so emphasized as being protected and, and things that you don't get uh, any kind of um, punishment or um, anything like that for. Talking about teams, it seems that um, you're getting along just fine in yours professionally. Um, and mm -hmm. I want to talk about the volunteer part again. Uh, so I thought you were still in the Syrian Council, but I, I guess not. But I know you're part of Great Faction somehow, a little bit. Um, so I don't know much. This is why I'm going to ask questions. Uh, I think you've got a great profile for what I understand uh, Great Faction is, being a scientist. Um, so can you explain a little bit about Great Faction in just like a sentence or two? Like, what is the mission of Great Faction? What do they do, et cetera? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, Great Faction is a campaign of the Satanic Temple that's um, it's dedicated to ending the ongoing satanic panic in the mental health field, um, to put it in the, the most broad, um, the most broad description. Um, so, you know, the, the volunteers that we have in Grey Faction, I mean, we have a wide range of backgrounds. Um, you know, a lot of, not, a lot of us are um, either mental health professionals or journalists, re researchers, or those that are just generally committed to fighting pseudoscience and conspiracism. And uh, we also work with people who have been victimized by the satanic panic in the mental health field. And, um, you know, essentially we're, we're dedicated to opposing the use of harmful practices in the mental health field, um, especially things like recovered memory therapy, um, which can lead patients to recover memories of things like satanic ritual abuse, alien abduction, CI mind control, and reptilian extraterrestrial overlords. Um, and, uh, you know, uses a lot of um, practices that have been um, long debunked by the scientific community at large. And um, there's actually warnings of the dangers of these techniques um, and the fact that they do fuel conspiracy theories. So, um, you know, we do focus on therapeutic malpractice by exposing conspiracy therapists um, and the uh, discredited um, therapies in which they use on patients that end up harming them. So that's, that's the general, that's the general gist of, of Grey Faction and what we, what we do. So I don't know if before the pandemic you used to meet up, you know, and discuss that around around table or something. But um, as we wait for this whole crisis to come to an end, um, I know that because I am a caretaker here at the estate, proud of it. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that Reflection um, now has a conference hall and as. Great Faction has organized lecture. Uh, the last one I went to was in the Irish Friends of Group and Hadrian was presenting uh, and it was great. Mm -hmm. And I know that this conference could be like a bunch of those lectures all together or something like that. Uh, so there's going to be that major event at the estate. Um, I, I believe you've been working um, with Great Faction into uh, you've been helping them organizing could you uh, mm -hmm. could you tell us exactly what you do within Grey Faction um, what attracted you what attracted you to it uh, what brings you joy in helping them 
uh, and keep up the good work. Yeah, so um, to kind of start, um, you had mentioned the conference. So um, Grief Action for many, many years. I mean, this has been a dream since at least 2018 of having our own conference to um, have speakers that are, um, you know, the, the most prominent in their field speaking about the harms of, you know, pseudoscience, conspiracy theory, and all of the things that are still being propagated in the mental health field and by organizations like, you know, the ISSTD or uh, Neil Breck Smart. Um, and so um, this, this conference is, it's a virtual conference that is being wonderfully hosted by virtual headquarters. And we cannot thank you guys enough for helping uh, with all of the support and your guys, uh, you know, willing to, uh, you know, do this with us. So it's, it's very much a joint venture with Gray Faction and uh, BHQ. And, uh, you know, we're, this conference is going to be focusing on conspiracism and pseudoscience in the age of QAnon. Um, QAnon has come out and has uh, fueled a lot of the old satanic panic rhetoric and has um, created its own. And in turn, those things are being discussed um, with uh, a baffling amount of legitimacy in uh, different fields. And that includes those who are already prone to conspiracism to be uh, using conferences like the like the like annual conferences like the ISSTD. Um, you know, they have their annual conference every year. And the people that believe in these things are going there and educating other people within the mental health care um, field or um, people who do um, uh, any type of social work. Um, and they're presenting this stuff as if it has any legitimacy and offering continuing education credits for these people. And so, um, you know, we're really trying to highlight, you know, who these people are, you know, where these things are coming from, why they're so dangerous and, you know, what we can do to try and help fight it. And um, so, so um, you know, we have some really great presenters uh, for this uh, conference. It's happening um, April 9th through the 12th, and um, it's all virtual. So, you know, it's, uh, it's nice to be able to still be COVID compliant. Um, you know, we've got people speaking uh, like, you know, Lucian Greaves, our director, Evan Anderson. We've got um, Professor Joseph Laycock. Uh, we have, um, you know, uh, Carrie Poppy from Ono, Carrie and Ross. Uh, you know, and we've also have uh, one of my personal favorites. We've got uh, Professor Eric Sprinkle um, talking about, you know, Satanism, stigma and uh, mental health. So um, and then we also have Joseph Flatley um, and, and others uh, who are within TST that are giving some really cool presentations uh, that relate to, you know, historical foundations of, you know, which, you know, uh, which uh, satanic panics, uh, you know, witch hunts, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, um, people can find the link for that at faction.thesatanic.estate, um, and uh, I'm really excited about this. So yeah, but like I said, this has been a dream. Uh, we've been wanting to do this in real life for a very long time, uh, but you know, Gray Faction doesn't have money, so it's always been terribly cost prohibitive. Um, so now we have this opportunity, and it's it's been fantastic. And um, and you you'd asked me about you know why why I'm involved. Um, I became involved with Gray Faction um, pretty early on, um, not at its inception, but really early on in my, um, I guess, in, in my involvement with TST in general, um, simply because um, it, the, the cause and the things that Gray Faction is trying to address really spoke to me because um, on a very personal level, um, I, you know, I had to rely on mental health, um, uh, 
um, services um, a little while ago. Um, throughout my life, I have, have really suffered with various mental health issues. Um, and at one point in time of my life where I was, you know, things were really, really low, um, I had plans to end my life. Um, I turned to a mental health, uh, you know, a mental health expert. I had a, psych a psychologist and it's because of that person that I'm, I'm alive. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't mean to go too terribly dark with it, but that's, that's the reality of it. And so I, I received exceptional care, um, exceptional understanding for what I was going through. And, you know, without this person grounding me in reality um, and, um, you know, being that person that was my lifeline to reality, um, I wouldn't be here anymore. So when I think of where I was at that point in time, how vulnerable I was and how susceptible to really anything I was at that point, um, I think about other people who are at that at their point in their lives, um, who are going through the exact same thing. And I think about what would happen if in that state I had someone like Neil Brick or I had someone like Lisa Miller or um, Allison Miller or if I had somebody, um, you know, that was one of these numerous assholes that, you know, call themselves doctors, that, that call themselves, um, you know, that think that they're helping people. And, and trying to convince me that the reason that I'm at where I'm at is because of some, you know, some fucking, you know, aliens or because some, you know, satanic cult abducted me and, and made me like, you know, raped me and, and tortured me and all that stuff. I mean, I could have been one of the many people that have been subjected to, you know, these therapies of, you know, like, you know, repressed memory therapy, um, people that it could have convinced me that all these things had happened to me that hadn't, I mean, could have ruined my life, could have made me convince or, um, you know, accuse loved ones of doing things they hadn't. And, um, you know, probably would have put me into the ground because, you know, we know so many people who, you know, they, they went to these type of therapists uh, for things like anxiety or, you know, maybe they had some postpartum depression or just general depression, or, you know, they were just struggling with something. And they came out of these offices convinced that these terrible fucking horrendous things were happening to them and um, which caused a lot of a lot of issues for them to the point where some of them lost their lives. You know, people ended their lives because they couldn't come to terms with all of these things that these therapists were convincing them that happened to them. And so, you know, reading the stories of those who are, you know, still with us and those who aren't. Um, knowing that these people are still out there doing this to people that are in these vulnerable situations, these people that are seeking help, they are relying on us, on, on, on people in the health, on, on, in healthcare. They're relying on us to help them um, and relying on us to give them the best possible care based in our understanding of the world and, um, you know, best practices and not fill in not basing it off of you know conspiracy theory and you know just this magical thinking um that's that's why i that's why i do what i do with gray faction because you know it's, it's very personal for me uh not only somebody who does work in healthcare who treats um that job with uh reverence and knowing the kind of responsibility i have as somebody who's um who has that uh, role in somebody's life but also as somebody who was a patient 
and, and knowing where I could have gone and the fact that I wouldn't be here if I had someone like Neil Brick in my head or Ellen Lachter. So that's why I'm with Perfection and I really believe in the work that we do. I, I mean, you kind of left me speech, speechless. Like I have a hard time speaking. That was so beautiful. And it's such an honor um, to, to like be exposed to your story. Thank you for sharing. It's, it's heartbreaking and such an incredible explanation of what grief action is for and how you got involved and what it means to you. It's, it's uh yeah, no, no wonder it's meaningful. Uh, and I, I bet a lot of people are gonna um, hear themselves in this or, you know, like. Well, hear themselves or maybe other people. I mean, or, we, we or their loved who, ones, whoever. Yeah, but mm -hmm. yeah. That, that so was whenever, very touching. So, no, thank you. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's the, the, the importance of what we do really just comes down to, we know what these people are doing. Um, we know what these, you know, we know what they're doing to other people. And, you know, you just kind of have to ask yourself, are you willing to put yourself or a loved one in their hands, in their care? Um, and if literally anything they do or say seems important to you, then, you know, nobody, nobody else's loved ones or nobody else should be subjected to that. And these people need to be exposed for what they are and to be held accountable for the things that they've done and are currently doing. It's a, it's amazing um, how rich your um, your experience of life is. One hell of an adventure that <laughs> that that whole uh, life of yours seems to be, and uh, there's there seems to be lots of good stuff, lots of not so good mm -hmm. stuff. But you're you're accomplishing so much to make it good again, um, and to enjoy it, you know, like we were talking about rest of the warrior and then starting new projects and everything. I know there is one. You were talking about Dr. Sprinkle mm -hmm. and like sex work before. And I, I love mm -hmm. Dr. Sprinkle. I have been, uh, you know, a, a model in the fetish industry and stuff um, for mm -hmm. a long time. So one thing I know you're working on and uh, that I really want to touch on because that is dear to me as much as uh, the rest of it is also dear to me is um, something that you've already like hint at with us at VHQ at mm -hmm. the virtual headquarters uh, is we had a little preview um, during the Lupercalia festivity with the Feast of the, mm -hmm. the Feast of Flesh um, with the last ritual panel that you were um, you were presenting with Mischief, and I can't wish to, I can't wait to watch like the actual TST TV show. So, how is the show with Mischief coming along? Would you like to tell us about that? Uh, yeah. So, um, Miss uh, Mischief Madness and I, and uh, you know, Mischief has been uh, an iconic. Um, has been like one of the most iconic women in, in TST history. I mean, you just, you just don't get any better. Um, uh, I have the absolute privilege of being able to um, do a fun project with her called Flesh um, on TST TV. And TST TV, or, uh, sorry, and, and Flesh is really just a, a show um, about talking about human sexuality in, in all its forms. 
um, you know, uh, the presence of sexuality, the lack of sexuality, the different ways in which people express their sexuality, um, you know, whether that's professionally, personally, how it affects people's lives, um, you know, it, it's, it's a no holds bar um, discussion that it's, it's, it's a lot like, you know, Loveline. I don't know if you guys remember Loveline, but um, with Dr. Drew, um, but it's kind of the same idea, um, but, you know, with a little bit more emphasis on, you know, these are the things that, you know, a lot of people don't like talking about. And, you know, especially, um, you know, given that we're Satanists and, you know, one of the things we do is, um, you know, we, we tend to be a little bit more, I don't know, out there, I guess, um, in a lot of ways, or we can be more conservative, you know, everyone's very different, but um, it really is just as a place to talk about all these different things and how they impact our lives and um, how, um, how others are trying to inhibit us from, from expressing ourselves. Uh, so, you know, we, we have, you know, we're, um, you know, not only are we talking to people who have experience doing sex work, um, you know, also talking to people that have sexuality that, you know, maybe we've heard of, but we don't know much about, about, you know, uh, like the concept of asexuality, you know, what is that? Or, um, you know, different gender identifications or, you know, how people, uh, do different, um, different types of, uh, love relationships, um, you know, anything that really has to do with that parts of our lives, you know, we really want to, you know, talk about them in an open, honest um, way, um, giving people the platform to talk about their experiences in a non-judgmental way and give people the opportunity to ask questions about it um, and not only educate our guests, but also educate us. I mean, there's a lot of things that, you know, Mischief and I, I mean, we have planned on our docket to talk about things that we, we know are there, but we don't know the first thing about it. So we want to talk to people and get, get an understanding. So um, I'm really excited about it. It's, it's a really great, it's a really great show concept. Um, so right now we're still in the, uh, the early production part where we're, um, you know, doing some pre-recordings of some interviews we're going to air, but we're just trying to finalize, you know, our schedule, um, you know, if we're going to be doing this, you know, daily, if we're going to do it every other week, um, and, uh, you know, it's going to be a live show. And so we got to figure out, you got to figure out our schedule and, you know, when it's going to be best to air and, and stuff like that. So Fletch is going to be great. It'll be, you know, uh, myself and Mischief, but we'll also have a, a rotating um, list of panelists to, you know, talk with us, either being the subjects or even just, you know, working with us. And, um, you know, because it's going to be on TSTV, TV, uh, it'll be live and people will be able to communicate with us in demon chat and be able to ask their questions or interact with us um, as we're as we're airing. So it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, I wish I had more as far as when do we expect us to be online, but uh, we don't quite know the answer to that question yet. But um, we're doing everything we can to get to you guys, you know, uh, if it's, you know, it's probably not going to be this month, but, you know, maybe next month or the month after that. Well, you've got lots on your plate. Um, I'm, I'm very much so looking forward to, uh, this show. I think it's, it's a great thing. Uh, it's a great concept. It's a great, uh, you know, the, the demon chat thing when, uh, when other TST, uh, live shows, happen it's always a blast to participate i always have so much fun i'm like by myself in my bed and i'm laughing my ass off it's it's great um i'm looking mm -hmm. forward to having that with you guys um with all that you have going on and all that you have accomplished um i i kind of want to ask like 
what is one of the most um what of the thing you're the most proud of one of your greatest accomplishment if you had to pick like maybe a top um, three or something yeah it's it's hard to say it's hard to say like my top you know my my most proud top accomplishments um simply because um I'm I'm very proud of everything I've been able to do, um, even if it's been a failure and a learning experience. Um, you know, I'm I'm proud of being able to say that um, I absolutely failed miserably as a chapter head because I learned a lot from it. Um, it actually gave me the opportunity to do some, you know, learn from those mistakes and give, um, you know, give other people who are starting out and really wanting to learn, you know, give them the perspective of somebody who did not do well at it, you know, learn from my mistakes. And, um, you know, in my role as somebody on IC, I felt like that was really important, um, you know, to be able to have somebody that could, you know, talk about the, the various ways in which, you know, you could experience being a chapter head, but here are all the ways in which somebody who has, you know, other things they're good at, fail miserably at this and, and learn from that and, you know, don't do these things. Um, so I guess like I, through the process of being involved with the Satanic Temple, um, it has, it has brought to me so many things that I never thought I would ever experience in my life. Like I, at the beginning of like 2014, when I was really starting to like look into TST and, and really start to understand, you know, this, this new, kind of this this new evolved way of thinking of satanism um i was a, such a different person um i don't even recognize the person i was even even back then and it wasn't that long ago and so i guess the thing i'm the most proud of is the fact that you know after all this time after all of the the really great things i've been able to participate in uh the great things i've been able to lead and create the things i have felt miserably at um, the people I've met along the way, the um, experiences I've been able to have, and the things that I can put on my life resume um, that I'm still here. And um, I'm most proud of the fact that I can continue. Um, and it's very difficult. I mean, you know, it's, um, it's really difficult when, um, you know, you're a professional Satanist, because I think when you're trying to help establish an organization, um, organizations evolve a lot more slowly than, than a person does. So I've evolved a lot. Um, my understanding of my Satanism has evolved um, a lot over the years. And, you know, it's hard when you're a leader because you kind of have to uh, interpret and and represent, you know, that Satanism with where the organization is at that time. And maybe, you know, maybe you don't agree with it. Maybe you're past that, but you've got to kind of toe the party line a little bit. Um, so that's kind of why I'm glad I'm not a leader anymore, because instead of instead of being a professional Satanist and that like, you know, where, you know, what I say publicly about my Satanism has to, you know, be just just so. Um, I can just speak more about myself and where I've evolved and what my understanding of it is. And, you know, I'm never not learning. Um, you know, I get to I get to be a part of the ordination uh, process. I, I was able to create um, one of the uh, uh, one of the modules and that I mean, that experience alone. I mean, that opened my eyes to a lot of things that even I didn't understand at the time. You know, in my research, I found so many of the things and was able to kind of like, you know, 
find sources and people's interpretations of Satanism that I had to represent in an academic context because I was talking about it. But then it made me think about, well, shit, maybe they got a point like, oh, man, you know, so it's kind of helped me think about my own personal Satanism um, in a different way. And, uh, you know, I think that the opportunity to be able to, you know, teach others about, you know, our history of, of Satanism has helped me not, you know, understand my current Satanism more and my evolving understanding of it. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it's, it's hard to answer just because I, I've done so much, um, you know, not only as a leader, but just, you know, somebody who's, you know, participated in, in different campaigns and created things, failed at things. Um, you know, I've just kind of had this really interesting, evolving relationship with, with TST and, you know, my Satanism is ever evolving as, as I think it should, you know, I think that's, um, kind of the nature of, of Satanism. It, it should, it should evolve, um, you know, with more understanding, but, um, I guess I'm the most proud that I've been able to, I've been able to stay with it and, uh, that, that the organization that I love so much that I think is doing a lot of good, um, is, uh, is understanding that it needs to evolve too, and that I can help be, a, I can help be a part of that and help it evolve, uh, too. So. That was so graceful. What you're the most proud of is your failure and your evolution. That was like, okay. Um, that's, that's so much humility. I'm like, wow, that's so graceful. Um, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's a great way to put it. And again, like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to speak after that. <laughs> um, I really, I really hope that, um, that you're happy where you are now, that you'll stay happy where you are uh, and mm -hmm. where you go within TST. You were talking about, um, like not being in leadership anymore, making you like evolve more freely around projects and everything. Um, what makes you the happiest in life in general? Um, you cut out there, what makes what in life? I apologize. <laughs> You're fine. What makes you the happiest in life in general? What makes me the happiest in life in general? Um, you know, you say that to somebody who like suffers from depression. That's a really difficult answer. But um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, what makes me the happiest in life? Um, that I get to live it. Um, that that I'm able to live it honestly and able to do so um, the way I want to. Um, you know, that's that's something that you know I think a lot about. And you know, one of the things that have, after having come out as a Satanist has been. Um, has been a really interesting evolution uh, for myself. Um, I, uh, and this is actually something I was thinking about a couple of days ago um, that apropos of nothing, but um, you know, you think about who you used to be and the things that used to bother you and the things that you used to wish for, you know, even 10 years ago, you know, and you reflect back on, you know, who you were, what you were doing with your life, the things that you felt like you deserved and the things you didn't deserve. And um, I'm really, I'm really happy with the fact that, you know, the answers to those questions that I had even 10 years ago are not the same as they are now. Um, and that I can live, you know, honestly and, um, and uh, authentically um, that, you know, I, I have no, I have really nothing holding me back. Um, you know, there, there's really nothing, there's no force in my life that is 
um, making me feel like I can't just be who I am, you know, love who I love, you know, live how I live, um, do the things that I don't want to do for the sake of appeasement. Um, and that, that makes me happy that I've gotten to that point. And I don't think it's just, you know, one thing, I don't think it's just my Satanism that has gotten me to that point. I think it's just a combination of, uh, growing, learning, failing, um, you know, bringing things into my life, um, not being apologetic for the things that do, you know, bring me joy and, uh, you know, shedding myself of those things and, you know, those people that would have me do it any differently. So, you know, um, you know, what makes me happiest is my, you know, being able to be live authentically. And that's what we should all do, I believe. I think if we all were less about saying you're sorry and about being sorry, feeling guilty and feeling ashamed, like we'd all be happier. And um, I aspire to get where you are, um, be happier because I'm, you know, the most authentic version of myself and I do what I want to do and I enjoy it. I think everyone mm -hmm. should get to this point and that's real happiness here. Well, it was really great to have you around tea. It was really a great to catch up and uh, wow, that was a very deep emotionally uh, and very like nice to have this conversation. Uh, I, I really, really enjoyed it. And uh, I hope to have more of those. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to speak. It's not every day I, I, I'm able to in, in this capacity. So I'm, I, uh, I'm very happy to have had tea with you. Is there anything else you would like to add to this conversation, Charlize? Uh, I can't think of anything other than, um, you know, what would make me really happy is if um, people were able to make this amazing conference that we have going on next month. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just I, I I'm, I'm like in the middle of like, you know, helping to plan it. And I'm just I'm so excited about it. it I mean, it's I'm sure if you had asked me at any other point in time, I'd have a completely different thing to add, but it's, it's on my mind and um, I'm really excited about it. And I think we've curated a, a wonderful a uh, list of, of things for people to learn about. So, um, yeah. I'll definitely be there. I'm very much so looking forward to it. There are some lectures I just, some lecturers that I really wanna, I really wanna see, like Dr. Sprinkle. Mm -hmm. I really wanna see what he has to say because I love the yeah. guy. Uh, I wanna hear about Adrian's lecture because it touches on my country um friends uh -huh. so that i'm very excited about but like everything every title every description and i'm like oh yes this one too oh yes this one too add it to my mm -hmm. basket yes 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 yeah. <laughs> um I, yeah I'm and you know yeah yeah same well and you know and if there um you know if there are people listening that are um you know needing some financial assistance, um, you know, or, or, you know, they, they think that uh, passes are too cost prohibitive. We do have, um, the, you know, we do have tickets available for those that um, are not financially able to contribute to that. So, you know, you guys just reach out to Gray Faction or even BHQ, they have those tickets, so. I'm so glad. That is another reason why um, I love you guys so much. And I love uh, 
the estate so much. Um, this is all Absolutely. great. Yeah. I would give yeah, you a hug, you. but because it's COVID-19 still, I'm going to give you a hair hug. <laughs> yep, a air hugs, hug. yep, air hugs all around. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And um, yeah, I'll catch you at the conference. Yep, thank you so much. Cut, cut. <laughs>